That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. We're actually recording now. It's Dr. David Miller, ND. How's it going, Dr. Michelle? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, had a nice walk with the fur beast today because I'm house sitting or babysitting a dog for six weeks. So it's getting me outside and I see the sunrise now every morning and it's been nice. We She sits down and she like watches the golden sun come up with me. And I was like, yeah, you're a quantum Aww. biology dog, aren't you? <laughs> Aww, maybe it is quantum biology, which is why people with dogs and pets and even plants live longer. I know, I know. Yeah. I think that's it. And on that note, we do have a smooth fantastic there. guest. Real smooth transition. Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, we really hit it on the head there. Um, we have Dr. Catherine Clinton with us today. Um, she is a licensed naturopathic physician with a focus on gut health, autoimmunity, and psychoneuroimmunology. Um, she is a respected author, speaker, pediatric health advocate. She practices in Oregon. She's extremely passionate about the connections that we have with the world around us and how these connections can regenerate our health and the health of the planet. She is very passionate about spreading the word on tending to your terrain, quantum biology. If you haven't caught her on an Instagram, she's a wealth of knowledge and really generous with what she shares with the public. So do check her out. We're so thankful to have you on the show today, Dr. Catherine Clinton. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and can't wait to chat about my favorite topic. <laughs> I know it's so good. I've actually been taking a couple of your courses um, and I found them on Instagram through just like like-minded communities. You happen to fall into my consciousness, thankfully. <laughs> and then I saw you're offering these courses and one was the structured, structured water body. I believe the first one was, and now we're into the one that's about stress and trauma and how it affects your quantum biology and just your state of health. And it's been a really interesting, I've been kind of on this journey already and led down this path. And it's been a paradigm shift with looking at health and, and dis-ease as we know it and how we need to 
I don't know, refertilize health in the world and in our body. And I've been really enjoying your courses. So thank you for putting those out there. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for um, joining the courses. It's been a um, a labor of love, right? So when I was in naturopathic school, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and Hashimoto thyroiditis and Lyme disease and GI uh, infections right and left. And it was through really returning to those foundational relationships that we have with the world around us that I found health and was able to to get better and to help my patients. And, and like you're saying, it is this paradigm shift where so many of us have experienced stress and trauma and it really shakes our foundations of safety. And so when we can really return to those relationships with the world around us, the air, the water, the seasons, um, each other, the plants, all of these things offer healing in the form of uh, homeostasis, right? As naturopathic doctors really um, can get down on the idea of homeostasis and how our body creates that homeostasis and tries to maintain it. But the interesting thing about quantum biology is that it extends that relationship to the world around us mm -hmm. so that yeah absolutely so that we're getting all of that safety all of that information from not only our internal terrain but the external terrain around us it's absolutely fascinating okay Catherine I want to know what is quantum biology just for like just a definition that might help uh just, just might help us to sort of like build the discussion on that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. It is the quantum biology is the action of small quantum pieces that power the bigger biology we learned about in medical school, right? So it's the action of photons of light, phonons of sound, frequency of thought, um, all of these things drive biological action on a bigger level, right? These small microscopic quantum particles and their interaction with our enzymes, our proteins, our mitochondria, all of these things are working together to power what we learned about um, as Newtonian biology, right? Um, mm -hmm. that, that random collision, we've got our... Uh, you know, enzyme floating along as a key and we've got our receptor lock that it fits into, that doesn't make sense when we start to dig deeper, right? We know that every cell in our body, every cell in our body is completing a hundred thousand tasks per second. And we have trillions of cells. So it starts to just get astronomical. Mm -hmm the amount of biological action happening in every second in our body. And when we're only using Newtonian biology to explain that or, or Newtonian physics to explain that, it just can't, it's not sufficient. That's not saying that it isn't at play, of course, but what's happening on a deeper level is that there's this sea of quantum biology and the um, biological action it produces, our DNA, our mitochondria, our enzymes, all these quantum particles. And it just starts to paint a picture of how interconnected we are, how we don't end at the barrier of our skin. And we really extend out to the environment around us. Courage. Like, I mean, you must have a lot of courage and curiosity to get into that sort of uh, perspective of looking at things. Like I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated about 
um, about that, those types of things. Like I want, I want to know maybe what, what in your, uh, sort of path or, or whatever life made you sort of focus on that? Cause yes, we touch on these things that I, I would say I touched on a lot of these things more in like recreational or other science reading that I've done outside of naturopathic, uh, mm-hmm. medical school, but what, what sort of got you into this to have, like, obviously you're curious. Okay. But then you had the courage to go through it and really get into it and start implementing it with yourself and with patients. Like what, what's your story that led you down into that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, like I mentioned, I got sick. I got really mm-hmm. sick in naturopathic school and I was in the perfect place to get all of the physical medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the best hydrotherapies and and all the naturopathic tools. Um, I was also working with uh, Sacha Ambrose, actually, and she was a wonderful mentor because she had a lot of Chinese medicine as well. Um, She's a naturopathic doctor and uh, works at OCOM. Um, helped founded OCOM actually, <laughs> and she was really uh, the one that turned me on to what's OCOM. Uh, or OCOM, the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. And they might have even they might have had a name change in the last 20 years, <laughs> but she, it's still there. Um, and she founded it. She's just a wonderful uh, physician. And she was the one that helped me understand how our thoughts impact our biology with psychoneuroimmunology. And then that really opened up this whole can of curiosity. And to be honest, it was curiosity driven by pain and illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't living my best life um, chalked with curiosity. I was ill and really desperate for more healing. And, and as that sort of path unfolded, I realized that so much of what my, myself and my autoimmune patients deal with are effects of trauma, oftentimes early childhood trauma. And so I tried to figure out how this could all work, right? We know that thoughts and emotions um, impact our immune system quite readily and and predictably, but there's something else going on, right? And uh, about the same time I read an article, uh, not an article, a study actually showing that our mitochondria might be more akin to um, a photosynthetic, uh, you know, piece of machinery. And that's just, that was 2014 and it just blew my mind. And from there, I really started voraciously kind of diving into the research because it offered a safety that I had never experienced before from alternative healing, acupuncture, talk therapy, all these different modalities that we have are amazing, right? But for me, they only allowed me to put back so many pieces of the puzzle. There were still pieces missing, or even I like to kind of use the analogy of like a puzzle piece that's in the right spot, but kind of up and askew just constantly a source of irritation and friction. Um, And that's how I felt. I didn't feel this deep sense of belonging and safety. Um, 
I knew how incredible nature was, but when I left self-service, I would get anxious. I, it wasn't a sense of belonging or safety. And so digging into the research helped me as an intellectual based person, you know, like a mental, um, based person, it opened up these windows to help me foster that relationship with nature and turn it into not this thing where I'm going out into nature to decrease my blood pressure or decrease my anxiety. It became like a returning home. It Mm. became an Mm. actual embrace. And that was something that my modern life had never offered. It was something that had been missing um, forever. I had wonderful, I have wonderful parents. They loved me and I I always knew they loved me. It it wasn't that. Um, It was just this sense of ill ease, that, that puzzle piece that's sticking up. It's in the right spot, but it doesn't fit completely and that piece of it that returning to that relationship and rhythm of the natural world world is really what held that healing and that that safety that allowed me to regain the health I had before diagnosis but exceed that level of health and really open up a new window to health and safety and belonging that I had never experienced before. Can you touch a little bit on, cause you said returning back to nature. And I know these are things that we talk about in your course, but for our audience, can you touch on a little bit about how the interaction with nature actually, because you said our boundaries are not defined by our skin. There's a connection to everything. So can you talk a little bit more about the connection to nature and how that has a beneficial impact on our health, our healing, and that feeling of safety? Because, you know, in the course we're doing right now, it's about trauma and the the effects of stress and trauma. So I guess that level of nature also creates that level of safe space and safety for your body to actually heal. So can you speak a little bit more about that interaction? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's a great example. Um, trauma, people that have experienced chronic stress and trauma, it disrupts their circadian rhythm and their relationship with the sun. So what we really need to do is kind of take a step back and go back to that quantum biology piece, right? So when we're talking about how our body reacts with the natural world around it, we're talking about those quantum particles of, you know, photons of light, phonons of sound, negative ions. And what we didn't learn in school is that every cell membrane in our body is hydrophilic, meaning it's water loving. And these water loving surfaces within our body build structured water next to them. So every cell membrane we have within the body is creating the structured water. Now the fourth phase of water, structured water, easy water, ordered water, uh, cellular bound water, there's many names for it. Um, And and we can get into that because the research, uh, you can only get grants for research that uh, falls in line with the, the mainstream funding agenda. But there's loads of research out. Gerald Pollack and his team. That's who I was going to ask you about. That's who I was going to ask you about. Ron, Mar- <laughs> Ron Mariotti. This, we have a link here, uh, Catherine. Ron Mariotti, you know him, naturopathic doctor, does visceral yeah. manipulation. He talks about that. That is probably what's going on when we're doing visceral manipulation. He, he said we're, 
we're working with that um the the fascia and the membranes and the structure of water that's so cool that you're uh, that that's cool okay sorry it's, i'm just it's so cool it's so yeah. cool. no i love that you found a connection to this information more now dave like it's great yeah that's cool okay sorry yeah. keep going teach me no, more no. No, it's so cool because what you're saying with the manipulation and the fascia, we're talking about structured water and structured water. And I'll talk about it in just a second, but it can trap and store information, right? So when we talk about the fascia holding trauma, holding memory, we're talking about not only the liquid crystalline structure of fascia, but also the liquid crystalline structure of the structured water. And when we press on the fascia, it releases hydro, uh, hydrolonic acid, which brings in fresh water, releasing some of those memories. It's absolutely fascinating, but let's break it down because um, I'm starting to do one of those tangent things. So okay. let's, I love let's it. break it down. We've got the structured water that's building on hydrophilic surfaces, right? Within our body. And the thing is, you know, we learned that uh, cells are kind of these bags of water just floating around this water body we have. And actually, our body is very dense. You can't get six or seven water molecules away from one hydrophilic surface before you hit another one, right? So it is very densely packed. And the structured water is creating this biological battery. So the difference between what we think of as H2O and structured water, which is H3O2, is that the hydrogens are more tightly bound. So it goes from a, a 37 degree angle to a 30 degree angle. And that geometry creates a hexagonal sheet. And once one sheet of structured water is formed against that membrane, then the template's set for um, those sheets to just keep building. And uh, what Gerald Pollack and his team out of the University of Washington identified was this fourth phase of water. Um, he identified it, and he also identified that it holds a negative charge. And when you put an electrode in the negatively charged structured water and an electrode in the positively charged water, you see it creates this biological battery that's helping power our biology on a quantum level, which is then um, translated throughout the body into things that, that we know and see, cilia moving, enzymes working, DNA mutating, all of this stuff. But what's happening is that structured water forms and kicks out protons, right? And so we've got the structured water zone, and then right outside that structured water zone is what they're calling a proton wire or a water wire. And those two things create this biological battery. And we're I was just going to say, does that make a current? That sounds like it's going to make yep. a current then. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. He And that's what he did. He put an electrode in each one, and it was enough current to light a battery. I mean, wow. <laughs> to light a light bulb. Sorry. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah, right. So that is part of our what's driving our biology, and it is completely neglected by mainstream medicine. And so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about structured water, when we're talking about visceral um, manipulation and fascia. What we need to remember is that both our fascia and our, that structured water have this liquid crystalline property, 
And what does that mean? It means that all the molecules in the membrane, in the structured water, they in the fascia, they are aligning together and they are oriented together and they are responsive to electromagnetic frequency. They're responsive to electrical current, they're of uh, electricity, of light, of photons. They are um, reactive to magnetic fields. They are really reactive to any EMF, even the EMFs we have from our thoughts and our emotions. And so we see this dual, um, this dual kind of property happening within our body where our fascia and our structured water that lines it has this liquid crystalline property to trap, store, and utilize information. And, and it sounds um, unfamiliar with us, but if we think about it and take a step back, our liquid crystal um, technology is what powers our screens. It's what powers our TV screens, our smartphone screens, that ability of light to play with those aligned molecules in our uh, television screens is the same kind of technology that's working within our body. It's crazy. It is. I like that you brought it back to something that feels tangible for people to be like, this is not new information. This is literally what we use in our technology today, but it's yeah. also within us. So can we just go back and touch on how nature affects that then? So what is the positive yeah. effect from that? Because we did yeah. go on a tangent and I just want to bring it back. And yeah, and, and maybe <laughs> what do you mean? And maybe what you mean by nature. Mm. I know it sounds like I'm, yeah. What do you mean by nature? Right. Great. Okay. So nature, <laughs> I mean the earth, the dirt. Um, and just for people watching with questions like, does concrete count? Does asphalt count? And yes, they do. They are over the earth. They are not the best conductors. So they're not as great as the earth, but they are the earth. So I'm talking about the earth, the ground underneath our feet. I am talking about the plants that grow out of the earth. I'm talking about the air that circulates the earth. I'm talking about the weather and the seasons of the earth. I'm talking about the humans of the earth and how we interact with each other, um, the animals. I'm talking about the microbiome. I'm talking about everything um, that is outside of our, our tech world, our modern tech world and our inside uh, houses and all that. You know, most of us spend less than 10% uh, of the time outside. And so that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the water, the air, the wind, the sun, the moon, um, and how it all affects us. And it affects us through that structured water and that crystalline, um, liquid crystalline property of our cell membranes and our fascia, our mitochondria. A lot of us don't realize that our proteins are chromophones. So they are able to capture light from the sun, like mm. a plant. Um, and this was something, this is what blew my mind and got me into quantum biology because I thought this was against the rules of science, right? We don't photosynthesize, but guess what? We do. Dope. We do it in a different way than plants, but we absolutely capture photons of light inside of our body. Those, uh, you know, those mitochondrial uh, proteins on our skin 
capture the light and translate it throughout our body. Our retina captures those photons of light and transfers them literally to every single circadian clock we have in all of our cells. We are really bound by the rhythms of the solar system and we have walked steadily away from them over the last 100, 150 years. So our body has the ability to capture light from the sun, from red light devices and, and photomodulation too, of course. Um, but, but the sun is, is the primordial one. That's our foundational one. And so our body is able to trap these photons of light. Those photons of light power our mitochondria. Our mitochondria are those powerhouses of the cell, yes, but also they are um, sensing organelles within our body. They mm. sense the time of day, they sense the season, they sense whether our feelings, right? They sense our frequency of thoughts. Our thoughts can actually downregulate our mitochondrial ATP production or upregulate it right? Depending on our thoughts. And the, this is what I mean by nature. I mean that, and, and there's the flip side of it too, right? Because a lot of, of the natural world is being encroached on by the modern world. And so some of these benefits we see um, from the interaction with our structured water body and our quantum biology with nature is disrupted by our constant use of technology, our indoor living, our exposure to non-native electromagnetic frequencies, non-native lightings, these all have a profound effect on what's happening to all those little uh, quantum particles and interactions. And I mean, we see this all the time. We talk about fascia. The, the fascia actually makes light. It makes light and it makes sound. And we as physicians, we use those recordings of sound to diagnose muscular disorders, to fine tune prosthetics. But then when we take it to what I'm talking about, we kind of have a hard time wrapping our head around it because it's, it's not something a lot of people are talking about, but it's absolutely something that we use in, again, in our tech, you know, we're really comfortable with this stuff in the tech world. We are less comfortable with it in our biology. And I think that we can see looking at how quantum physics is studied. We see that quantum physicists, will go into the laboratory. They will cool everything down below absolute zero where no life can occur. They shelter the lab from heat, from sound, from any frequency that can disrupt those quantum uh, phenomenon, like quantum tunneling or quantum entanglement. All of those things can be easily disrupted. And so quantum physicists forever were like, there's no way quantum phenomenon are happening in the body because the body is wet, it's warm, it's chaotic. And it turns out that that chaos of life is exactly the coherence needed for two electrons to quantum entangle in our body, travel throughout that structured water body and inform our biology. So we are at a very exciting time right now where we can see the interplay of these things we didn't know about before. And it explains some of the things that we always intuitively knew, right? Someone's vibe, we don't like their vibe or, mm -hmm. 
you know, these things we always intuitively knew, but we didn't have something to point to as far as research goes. And so for me, it's really exciting to be able to point to all of these um, studies and, and research that's ongoing. I mean, it's really fun every week. There's something new coming out about this because this is really the building blocks of life, all life throughout this planet. The, the timing is interesting. I just I was just reading a, a little article here from uh, uh, a guy. Do, he's an MD, PhD uh, student at U of T. Um, and he's talking about this kind of way they were activating an enzyme. He's talking about how we're doing these, these kind of uh, studies on things that we couldn't have done before using what they called, uh, I think they call optogenetics. And, yeah, yeah. and so what they're, what they're doing is actually using, um, light. Let me see here. I just have, it, I have it here. Optogenetics. Uh, he said, we collaborated with a group from the university of Pittsburgh to do optogenetics with this enzyme. So we could activate the enzyme on demand with high energy light. So now we're, we're, we are seeing like, um, a link. And the funny part is it even, I don't know if, if this is linked to maybe more, your depth of understanding of this, but actually what they're, what they're um, talking about here is, is salmonella and how salmonella is able to get into the cell through the guess what cell membrane. And, yep. and because, and it manipulates the cell membrane to, to become intracellular. So just some interesting, I mean, it it sounds like really out there, right? Some of this stuff sounds, I'm just trying to, cause I, yeah. I can understand if people feel like that but you know this is just this is just a guy doing his md phd at U of T, and they're doing stuff that you're kind of talking about in a really what small level but still there's some yeah. overlap oh definitely total overlap i mean and stuff we're familiar with with like red light therapy right naturopathic doctors were were really familiar with red light therapy and its benefits and we see how it works so this is explaining how it works right and and it very precisely says that the, that light and the, that nanometer peak, that infrared and red light peak uh, is actually absorbed by those uh, chromophomes in the mitochondria. So this isn't, it does sound uh, out there, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's, we are utilizing it all the time. Um, it's the same thing with earthing and grounding. You know, that's a naturopathic favorite. What's happening there is that our body is collecting free electrons. Our earth is covered in this infinite sea of electrons. And when we make contact with it, our body is able to gather those electrons and utilize them in this structured water, in this quantum biological um, way that I'm talking about. And so... It's something that we've been dealing with forever. It's something that our medicine has highlighted and used forever. And now we see um, a deeper level that it's working on. And it's it's absolutely fascinating. And it, I mean, it just goes on and on. You can look at the research and they're using quantum dots, right? They're using a lot of quantum dots to deliver 
medicine, to deliver light, uh, to deliver so many things. And when we break that down, so right, that's the, the tech side of it. What's happening in our body that's like a quantum light, all those antioxidants, all those flavins, they capture photons of light and act as quantum dots moving throughout the uh, biology and, and quenching those ROSs from, from free radical damage. So it's just the the way you can look at it and compare what's happening in the tech world, which is just like, uh, it's moving so fast. I can't even tell you, you know, it's like last year at this time, I was like, in the next few years, we're going to have a commercial quantum computer, right? They have ones, but they're not available for commercial use. It was like four months later that they have a computer for a commercially available for a quantum computer. Um, it's really the research is really making quantum leaps, uh, not to be corny, <laughs> but well played. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really true. It's just moving so fast. And I think the next frontier um, that, that Pollock and many researchers are working on is consciousness and how that, that affects um, our biology and the world around us. It's, it's, it is absolutely amazing. Um, That's like and, the realm of like the Joe Dispenza's and everything too, like reading his yeah. book, Becoming Supernatural. It's, it's, dense with this kind of stuff and he's got some really wild testimonials about people meditating and changing i guess i get their internal frequency based on their thoughts their emotions etc and then how that impacted their body's ability to heal and i find that fascinating and even reading like kelly brogan's book and people working on their trauma and how physical things and all these other things begin to heal because you just nourish and facilitate you're changing the frequency within your body and I think that's a big discussion I have with my clients and Dave and I have talked about this, you know, I mean, I've talked about it. The more I've been in practice, the more I realize it's that mental, emotional side mm -hmm. and the spiritual side and our energetic side. That's really the driving force for how our, our physical body shows up and trying to explain that to people. Some people get it and they're like, oh my God, no one's ever explained that. And some people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You sound like a crazy person. <laughs> Yep. Oh, totally. Totally. I just had a patient a couple of days ago ask me if, uh, some, if something they were doing drinking causes anxiety and it's like <sighs> contributes, but it's a big, huge picture. And what I like to do is um, challenge my patients to do one thing, sync their circadian rhythm with the sun, get outside and earth once a day, something like that, that has tangible, immediate effects, right? That vagal reset that we all experience when we uh, ground or do something like that, that ah, type of exhale. Some, some, I would even venture to say most of our patients aren't doing that on a regular basis at all. So to challenge them to create that relationship with grounding with circadian rhythm, getting out in the AM sun, lowering the lights and seeing sunset at night. You know, some of these things, we can challenge them with just one thing that 
creates such a noticeable impact on their biology, they come back believers, right? Mm -hmm. Because so many people are looking for what's that one pill or what's that food I should cut out that's mm -hmm. making yeah. everything bad. And it's like, yeah. there's not one thing. I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah. we're walking on a journey here. And so I really love to start there with people because it's a it's a big change for a lot of people to have that vagal reset, to have that shift into parasympathetic. And, you know, as physicians, sometimes the patient in front of us, this is their first chance at feeling safe. Mm. And so we have such a unique position and opportunity to offer that safety and guidance to our patients, because when it comes down to it, that sense of safety and belonging is what's driving health on a big level. Can I ask a quick question? What are your recommendations for connecting with nature? We live in Toronto uh, or a Toronto adjacent, and it gets cold and winter and, you know, the days, the sunlight is less and people it's dark when you wake up. So you're not, by the time you get to work, it's finally sunny and you're inside at your job. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm the person that takes off her mittens and go hugs a tree, um, mm -hmm. when I can, cause I feel like at least that's something with like skin connection to that. But mm -hmm. do you ever, I am, I'm the weirdo in the park. I don't care what people think of me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, but, um, what are, what are your recommendations that people might be limited by, by the seasons and those kinds of things? Cause the summer spring, people are like, yeah, I'll do that. But in the winter time, every, the, the, the total game changes, people are, are more tired. We're, we are supposed to kind of go more into a hibernation and we tend mm -hmm. to try to work against that, but what are ways people can connect with this side of themselves more? Do you have recommendations for that? I do. I do. And they are continue to go outside when it's cold right so just get out that, there yeah so the and that sounds like me that wasn't a great answer but let's listen to why because if i so i'm in the pacific northwest uh not as cold and snowy but cold and dreary and rainy right and so we don't want to go outside and go barefoot and all that stuff understandable if we're waking up and the sun isn't up and we need to get to work the magic lies in getting some exposure to that AM sun, even if it's covered in clouds, even if you're at work on your 15 minute morning break, going outside, shaking it out, moving a little bit while you, you do whatever you were going to do on that break, but doing it outside in natural light is profound for our mm -hmm. biology. It is setting up a cascade of hormone release, serotonin, which is later put into our uh, trans transformed into uh, melatonin for our rest and repair and our mood. All of these things um, are interconnected. They they either accelerate our HPA axis response or they decrease it, lowering our cortisol and and helping us feel um, creative and happy and alive. So my recommendations are really you know, tailor it to your environment. I'm not saying anyone should go out in the, a blizzard barefoot and get frostbite or something crazy, right? Thank I'm you for clarifying. <laughs> this game we kind of need to, but um, so, I, so I'm talking reasonable things. Like here in the Pacific Northwest, it doesn't really get below 50 or 40 degrees. So I'm fine to go outside and be barefoot. My toes are cold, but they are being exposed to cold, which boosts that uh, 
uh, thermogenesis within us and that mitochondrial function and that quantum biology uh, throughout our body. Our bodies are seeking that rhythm of the seasons. So when we see summer go and fall and winter come and we try to hide inside from it, our biology suffers. So if we can go outside in the rain, if we can go outside in the snow, we are getting that uh, input from not only the temperature, but the negative ions that we encounter just in the seasonal changes of weather actually add uh, negative ions and help our biology overall. One negative ion can structure over a million molecules of water. Just Stop. gonna say that again. Yeah, it's wild, right? One negative ion can structure over a million molecules of water. So if I take five minutes to walk outside in a, on a rainy day, I am inundating myself with negative ions um, that will structure my water, that will help improve that quantum biological action. If I'm going outside on a cold, snowy day, I am not only getting that cold exposure that we talked about, but I'm also getting that reflected UV from the, the snow. I mean, our world and our, our participation in it is really where health comes from. Um, and so I totally get it, you know, it's, it's get, gonna be dark and gray and drizzly here for the next six months. And I'm gonna go outside every day and gather all the electrons and negative ions and photons and phonons that I can. Getting outside, we haven't even talked about the phonons of sound from being in a natural environment, hmm. hearing the wind through the leaves of a tree, the birds singing. Those phonons of sound are capped by our biology. And again, they help provide that background of homeostasis and balance that drives our health and, and life on this earth. So that's why I say uh, continue to go outside. It's still medicine. Okay. <laughs> on that note, I got to go outside. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> having the dog, having the fur baby here has been like amazing. It's just kicking my butt outside more now that it's getting colder and waking up and it's crisp fall mornings now. And then mm -hmm. the sun is rising a little bit later. So we're out there while the sun is rising and it's actually been such a beautiful way to start my day. And I'm actually quite a, appreciative of the fur beast and its yeah. existence in my world right now. <laughs> Yeah, those little Furbies, they know, you know, like they will go out and download in the sun. They will, it, even if all of the doors are closed, they will find that little patch of sunlight from the window and sit in it. Um, they are attuned. We, we've been walking away from everything and, and taking them on leashes, but their innate uh, instinct has them gravitating towards the sun. It has them running outside in the rain and the snow. So yeah. they have a lot to teach us. Catherine, where, let me, let me ask you what, where you normally, I mean, you have to, I stumble easy for me to say, I can't even talk. Uh, you have to start wherever the person needs you to start. I get that. Mm -hmm. Like there's, like I, I talked about it on an Instagram live today. There was a, there's a guy, he's got no, basically I got no friends, no social life. And, and, you know, he didn't come in complaining about that, but that's what he needs. 
with the people that with your patients that you work with, what do, what do you find yourself recommending like that most people need, let's just say commonly they need, like what, what are some of your most common things you're running into? You need a bit of this. You need a bit of that. What, what are your most common prescriptions, if you will? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know they're I not, think- I know not everyone's the same. So, so like yeah. I, I, that notwithstanding, <laughs> there's still going <laughs> to probably be some patterns. Yep. Yeah. And it may be would- a pattern that's dependent on like where you live or, or, you know, certain stressors in your area or your demographic, but yeah, just whatever you've got for patterns. I would agree with you. I think that my entire patient population is hungry, starving for connection, Mm. Um, especially over the last few years. And so finding that connection is a key and also difficult, right? Because some of us live in communities that aren't safe. We, 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 we are not finding that safety there. Um, like the person you're talking about, maybe we don't have that wide circle of community and friends. Um, and, and that's a real thing. And we can try to foster that and do what we can to reach out in our community and explore different social circles and, and what makes a safe relationship. But I, I always uh, counsel my patients to seek some of that safety and some of that belonging in nature. Um, and it, it, you know, hugging a tree, it sounds so ridiculous, but there's a wealth of safety and belonging that we can get with the natural world. Um, and I've experienced it and I counsel my patients to experience it because that was the key that led to that level of thriving and living that I'd never had before. So finding connection is one of them. And I also pretty much counsel everyone on hydration and circadian rhythm um, because we can't structure our water or do any of those quantum biological things that I was talking about if we are dehydrated, right? We don't have the building blocks of water within us. Um, Mm -hmm. So so a mineral-rich source that is able to get into our cells, whether you're adding minerals to it, whether it's a spring water that has minerals, um, something that drives that water into your cells. So, so good hydration. Because I drink my electrolytes, hy- you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Putting electrolytes in, yeah. 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 And electrolytes. This is how I tell my clients, we need electricity and light photons. And you need those minerals to be a part of that driving force to create electricity and light photons on a cellular level. And they're like, that's why it's called that. (laughs) Boom. That's why it's called that. Yep. Absolutely. And getting the light. That would be my third one. Syncing with the circadian rhythm of the sun. Um, It's huge. It's Mm -hmm. uh, if you have those three pieces dialed in, a lot of us doctors would have empty uh, waiting rooms. Mm-hmm. What do you think of uh, what do you think of shift workers? I always struggle with oh, shift yeah. workers because I'm a big I'm a big um, proponent of trying to figure out what to do with circadian rhythms. Like for example, one thing I find a lot of people do that's not really great for their gut is they eat late at night, and I'm like, well, even if you just ate that earlier, it would be better because yeah. that's going to have a major impact on your circadian rhythms. Then I have some people that work shift and I'm like, Oh man, I'm glad they pay you a premium. Cause I don't, I, what, what do you, what do you think of shift workers? And, and, and is there any way to mitigate some of the, the stressors that go along with that? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, 
the eating that you brought up is huge, right? Because light exposure and our metabolism are what drives circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So syncing our eating schedule, if we're a shift worker, syncing that uh, eating schedule to a more circadian base um, can help. And we're really getting into a spot where we're talking about blue blockers um, and ways to mitigate the effects of being up at hours that are, uh, you know, the opposite of what our natural is. So thinking um, that rhythm, there's uh, some studies that came out last year that show that if they can sink their um, if they can wait just a little bit longer to go to sleep and shift that, then they actually get a deeper REM sleep. And it's not so much, uh, you know, with the sun alignment, it's, I can't remember the mechanism. I remember um, that that has an important piece to it as well. So, you know, we often go by a rhythm that works when we're doing it with the sun, but when we're doing shift work, it helps to put our eating in the circadian rhythm and push our sleep back a little bit. Um, if we can delay sleeping by just an hour, we actually get more REM, more melatonin, which um, sort of combats some of those deficiencies that shift workers have in melatonin and, and that piece of the biology. Okay. So I guess it's it's um, similar in, in a way. Uh, it, you got you just you you can do what you can do something but it's it's just let's accept that it's it's difficult on the body the shift yeah. work yeah it is difficult yeah. there's there's a, a bunch of other ways to make up for that difficulty right um those things i mentioned right there but all the things we've been talking about are going to help rebalance the biology of a shift worker right Maybe yeah, all the things we talked about here. So, so there's no one street one has to take to health, right? Um, we all have different uh, triggers and stimulus and, and issues working against and for us. And there's so many options out there for people to help dial in their biology and bring that homeostasis back, even if they're a shift worker, um, you know, even people who of all kinds can really access this medicine by just dialing in those relationships with the world around us. Okay. So with the shift workers, you're saying, uh, you said, cause you can, you can um, adjust circadian rhythms. Well, you can't change the sun. The sun is what is going to do what it's going to do, but the, mm -hmm. the diet uh, and, and eating can shift it. You were saying, uh, did I hear this right? You're saying they should, so say someone's doing night shift, they should still eat as if it's day, like eat during the day and not eat in the night. Is that correct? As best they can, as best they can. Um, okay. and, and none of this is black and white. That's a beautiful thing about it is that that's one piece of the puzzle, but there's so many different pieces. Um, shift workers can get such benefit from grounding, from going outside, um, regardless of where the sun is mm -hmm. they can get so much benefit from using uh technology that blocks out some of that blue light that they're exposed to at night blue blockers mm -hmm. um, some of this because 
you know, like, like you just said, there's some things we're not going to get away from when we talk mm-hmm. about environmental toxins um, and pollution, you know, I'm talking about nature and the air and the water. Well, a lot of it's polluted. Um, but that shouldn't stop us because there's so much out there that can make us vital, can help us thrive. And from that strength, we can use that strength to try to help correct those wrongs, try to help um, with movements that are curbing industrial pollution and and the powers that be that allow it. So, you know, it's it's a really big, beautiful web that we live in. And even if one string is uh, whatever we want it to be, whatever we're Mm -hmm. talking environmental toxins or shift work or Mm -hmm. an unsafe uh community or or relationship all of these things there are other things out there that can mitigate it Mm -hmm. so it's never a a black and white binary decision it's a smorgasbord of nature healing out there um and and it's really true and it's really profound Awesome. It's awesome. We live in a, like the, the biohacking age, I guess, where Mm -hmm. if you are limited, like we, I think we had an example of this once in a previous talk, like, let's just say you live deep in New York city and you're up in a high rise and you don't have a lot of direct connection with nature. There are things like blue light blocking glasses and like EMF mitigating devices and like grounding mats and things like that, that you can still access to kind of offset maybe some of the, some of the impact that you don't reg when you don't regularly get that connection otherwise. So thankfully, like some of those devices are becoming much more mainstream and mm-hmm. available for people. Obviously, nothing really replaces actual nature. So if you can do that, do that. But thankfully, there are certain things that we can do. I would recommend people try to tap into nature first, but those devices are super dope if you can get your hands on them and they can just make your quality of life that much better, you know? Yeah, Catherine, absolutely. Catherine, what about uh you know, a device that most people have is uh, something that makes sound. And what about like uh, recordings of nature? Like I used to laugh at my, I think my grandparents had like these, these uh, audio tapes of like loons or. or is it those things like the sleeping sounds to help you fall? It's like a white noise machine and it's what? like whales what? or orcas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. What? Loons or whales or, or whatever. Like, is there any validity to those as a kind of bio? That's a good question, though. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 So we're talking about, we've been talking about how our quantum biology can trap these quantum particles. Phonons are no different, right? And we see the research out there about white noise, brown noise. And even more so, we see the research about different Hertz levels, right? And how different frequencies attune to our body. Um, And that's a wonderful way to impact our biology. And it's something that anybody can do. Um, Especially we're talking about people that are a little bit removed from nature. I bet they have a device that they can look this stuff up on. There's tons of, you know, uh, 432 Hertz. There's different frequencies we can use to attune the body, the natural sound. Um, So Dr. Kathy Yo, she's amazing. And she's done a lot of work with quantum biology and the effects of sound and the effects of uh, 
natural sounds. She was in the jungle for six months, you know, recording all these amazing sounds and the effects on our biology. I mean, I feel like I don't even need to say it right now, but they're good, right? Um, our body is craving those natural phonons of sound. And we live, again, like we live in an environment of junk light, we live in an environment of junk sound, right? So those um, sounds that we get, those low octave sounds from um, the electrical grid, the person blowing their leaves down the street, mm. all of those sort of act against our biology can have det detrimental effects. And so adding back in some of the natural frequencies of the world can really help our quantum biology. And there's tons of research to show this as well. I love my sulfedro frequencies. You can just find them on Spotify. There's literally yep. a list. And I, yes. when I'm working, I'll put them on and it just kind of helps me feel a little bit more Zen and it's good white noise in the background too, for studying Absolutely. and stuff too. Can yeah. you, sorry, sorry. What, what is brown noise? You said white noise and brown noise. I've never heard that term before. Am I and new? Pink, and pink noise. Yeah. Pink noise, brown noise, white noise, pink noise. Um, <laughs> they're just different terms for different frequencies and different uh, abundance of sound, right? So white noise, we're kind of familiar with, and that would be like the most abundant. Brown noise is what you would experience by a waterfall or a, mm. a crashing wave. Uh, I like that. Pink. I like brown noise. Yes, brown noise is amazing. And yeah, so so those are names for for uh, different sort of collections, um, constellations of sounds, right? And then the natural sounds, a bird tweeting or a wind through the leaves, all of those things actually have really beneficial impacts on our biology, lowering our blood pressure, lowering our um, stress hormones. And we see this uh, acting directly through that structured water body and that quantum biological action that we kind of started this interview talking about. And it's, it's amazing. And so, yeah, somebody living in the high rise in, in New York City, it would be a great idea to add some of those natural sounds to combat some of those constant uh, junk noise, as I call them, yes. um, and other people call them. I'm not the only one, <laughs> but but yeah. So so sound is an excellent way to do it, and and light. We have to remember that we're talking about blue blockers and, and tech to to block out some of the non-native lighting the same thing can be done with light. So we have red light devices. Our body can still get some of the benefits from that uh, infrared, near infrared and, and red light therapy, that photo biomodulation that happens regardless of when we're working and, cool. you know, regardless of our shift schedule or, or what, we still have the power of light at our hands. Love it. And if the only biohacking device you have is an audio cassette, of loons. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, grandma. I'm sorry. I made fun of you. For your loon she knew she, she was ahead of her time. Grandma babe. was a biohacker. Yeah. Grandma was a biohacker. I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> she knew. Uh, you know what? Our grandmas uh, did know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you were talking about the solfage uh, tunes, just putting those on. I mean, Gregorian chants and some of the uh, Buddhist chanting, these ancient mm. traditions, 
experienced this. Well, so um, true to form, Dr. Catherine Clinton was recording outside. Um, that's why we had a little bit of a hiccup with the audio, but we seem to have lost her. Although I believe that the conversation speaks for itself. And I feel like we really did get to cover the areas I think of most interest and really drove home the impact of like nature and connection to each other and our mood and our thoughts and, and sound and everything has the impact it all has on our quality of life and our health and our body's ability to heal. So I think that, I mean, that was what I was hoping for by asking her to be on the show. And I think we mm -hmm. achieved that Dave. what would you say? Yeah, same. And, and like I was saying, we're sort of deciding what to do here when we lost her. Like there's almost no beginning and no end with that kind of stuff too, <laughs> right? Like yeah. you could, I mean, we could want, I'd love to have her on again because, um, uh, this is, uh, this is an area that is absolutely fascinating. Um, and, and what, probably used to be more like fringy is now getting more like within the realm of of you know things we can discuss and so uh it pulls on your brain and your heart a little bit too uh, yeah. and makes you realize a bit of the magic of walking around on planet earth so um i learned a lot and actually it's it's inspiring and and adds a little bit more um i don't know meat to the things we sort of intuitively know like yes you should be out in nature and yeah, yeah, yeah. But now we're getting into some of the nitty gritty with an expert like Catherine. Yeah. But it gives more validity to why we make those recommendations. Those yeah. just foundational recommendations that you and I are such big believers in. It gives more validity and weight to why we have to do those yeah. things and the direct impact it has on our mitochondria, our cells, our structured water, our crystalline fascial grid. And it was interesting while we were just waiting to see if Dr. Catherine could come back, Dave, you were saying, you know, how you found it interesting that you and I have veer off sometimes with some of our interests when it comes to health, like you're very hands-on and I'm like into the gallbladder and I'm into that mental, emotional, energetic sphere of things. And then, you know, and I pointed out to you and I said, but your visceral work, just like she was saying with fascia being crystalline structure, your visceral work inadvertently, you didn't know this, but you were working on the quantum biology by affecting the crystalline structure of the fascia and allowing fresh water to come in and the healing capacity. So, you know, it was all connected anyways. We just didn't know just like, just like quantum biology, it's all connected. So you're, you're in the game, Dave, you just didn't know it. Well, I kind of, I kind of knew, I kind of knew because when she brings up Gerald Pollack, I'm like, I'm all right. I get it. Sold. Sold. <laughs> Yeah, because that's, I mean, yeah, that that's uh, that was quite a, a nice little moment uh, there to sort of link it all together. So, yeah, she's she's so lovely and she has such a calming presence about her. Uh, I really enjoy listening to her. And if nobody is, you can follow her on Instagram. Um, her tag is at dr. So dr. Dr. Catherine Clinton, and you can find her on Instagram. We'll add the handle to the write-up um, on our podcast. And when we post it on Instagram itself, we'll make sure to share that. And she does release, um, she's begun to release these quantum biology related courses, um, as I mentioned at cool. the beginning. So if you guys are interested, keep your eye out because there'll probably be some more coming with specific themes right now. We're working on trauma and stress. Cool. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. I'm so glad that she came on the show. It was a delight. It was a delight. <laughs> and as always, Michelle, it's a delight to chat with you and uh, we'll do it again next week. Uh, we better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thanks to you all for listening. Bye everyone.